Wrestling fans, are you ready? Yes, 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 yes. For the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world, uh, let's get ready to rumble! Welcome back to WrestleRant Radio here today for Thursday, June 22nd, 2023. I am Graham Jason Matthews. Hope you guys are doing well and having a great week so far. No time wasted. We're getting right into our featured interview for this week with one half of the new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Shayna Baszler, talking to her two weeks ago, two, three weeks ago, uh, talking all things about her title win, teaming with Ronda Rousey, how she wants to elevate that women's tag team division in WWE. And honestly, as a big detractor myself of the women's tag team division, not the division itself, but how it's been booked in recent years. After talking with Shayna, I'm a bit more optimistic. I wrote all about it for Bleach Report, included the quotes from Shayna in that article last week, so check it out if you haven't had a chance. But the full audio interview is now available here on the show, talking all that and much more, including Star Wars, a little Star Wars conversation. Well, some Star, some Star Wars talk saved for the end as well. And then in the back half of that, Mr. Marceau joining me for Forbidden Door Predictions, Raw Review, the two new pay-per-views announced by WWE on the pay-per-view schedule for this year, and so much more. Enjoy my exclusive interview with one half of the new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Shayna Baszler. What's going on, guys? Graham Gius and Matthews here with Bleach Report and Fansided Daily DDT. Today we're talking one half of the new WWE Women's Tag Team Champions, Shayna Baszler. Shayna, what's going on? Not a lot. Sitting here talking to you. A couple days removed from becoming champion, although it's yeah. not the first time, obviously. Three-time Tag Team Champion. Mere days away, I found this out the other day. I'm sure you're aware. I think you're probably a week, I think, away from becoming the longest reigning WWE Women's Tag Team Champion for like total days or something like that, surpassing Asuka. I see you shaking your head, so you weren't aware of that, I assume. No, I'm, I'm just shaking my head at the fact that like when I started wrestling, I never would have thought it'd be like, you know, like the Dudley Boys, the Rockers, Legion of Doom, Shayna Baszler. <laughs> <laughs> Tag team specialist. You it's know? crazy. Yeah, you're an accomplished tag team wrestler in the yeah. now three years, which is wild to think about. The time has flown by. I guess COVID kind of throws things out of uh, proportion. But the three years you've been on the main roster now, three-time tag team champion, obviously the first two reigns coming with Nia Jax, now with one of your best friends in Ronda Rousey. How does this title win kind of differ from the first two? Having been there before, but this time with a different partner and someone you're very close with in Ronda. Um, it's kind of It's kind of weird because, um, you know this is something we talked about since 2013 when I moved in. So it's crazy that moment that we're hugging after, after we win is like a, a real moment, like, holy crap. And we get to the back and we're like, this is what we talked about. And it's like what we talked about and we've achieved what we talked about, but it's just the beginning. You know what I mean? So um, it's cool. It's cool to finally be here. And I wish people understood how much we've wanted this and, fought for this and just, you know, it makes it that much more satisfying. I was going to say Ron has been very vocal, not just lately, but really always as far as wanting to elevate the women's tag team division. I know she did an interview the other day with the New York post talking about it, 
I assume you share those same sentiments as far as, I mean, it, it sounds like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, this is something that she's really wanted for a while to be a part of this division. Not something that was just kind of given to you guys, all right, just go do the tag team thing. This is something you guys have actively fought for, like you just said, for quite some time now. Yes, we've we've asked ever since, especially especially since her her second run here, we've asked for it, you know, so many times. And I mean, we've we've come up with ideas on how we could do it, and it's like, uh, to just I don't know, it it it's it just never it never was the right time or like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After we close up this, we got to tie up this loose end or whatever. For whatever reason, it just didn't happen at those times. Um, but you know, it's it's cool to know that we didn't take no for an answer. And and uh, I say this all the time. There's one thing, one surefire way to get Rhonda to achieve something is to tell her she's not going to do it. You know, <laughs> and, and um, you've seen that throughout her MMA career and, and her wrestling career. So it's 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 a thing we've wanted. And like, I, like you pointed out, it's not just about winning these titles. It's about shining a, a spotlight on the, on the tag division and creating a real tag division, not just like a bunch of opportunistic girls that partner together to try to jump into this story. We want a tag division. Um, and you know, if there's one thing this past year that we've learned, it's that with, with the Usos and, and Kevin and Sammy, you can have that be a main focus story and it not take away from the singles title stories at all. In fact, it enhanced them. So um, the same can happen for the women. And there's no reason with all the talent we have in the locker room that it isn't that way. I was going to say, I mean, it's not like there's only 10 women on each show. There is a very deep roster of women, especially coming up from NXT too in the recent yeah. draft. I mean, raw there's, teams. It's, yeah, there's a lot of tag teams, two more being called up from NXT. Um, especially coming on, you know, coming out of the draft on the raw roster. There's plenty of women we don't even see on the raw roster on the raw show regularly. Like there's a lot of women on main event we haven't seen on the show yet, still to come, hopefully. Uh, I mean, you mentioned it right there, the women coming up from NXT, a lot of tag teams, Alba Fire, Isla Dawn being one of them, the NXT women's tag team champions. I assume you see that and think to yourself, all right, we got to maybe not merge the titles, but fight these champions to prove that Ronda and I are the superior team at some point, right? Well, I mean, that's the way it would seem to go. I also have a special place for those NXT tag titles because me and Naya, I think, like, built those. <laughs> we went to NXT and proved they couldn't beat us, so they had yeah. to make their own, you know? Um, but, uh, you know, it's 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 definitely a thing where we're excited at what we think we see in the future. It's just a matter of, um, you know, like always, is a matter of convincing the people that matter that that that's a thing and to, to show it. So that's all we got to do is yeah, keep I taking... mean, been... sorry, go ahead. No, just keep not taking no for an answer. Yeah, no, exactly. Obviously it worked out having won the championships on Monday. And you just talk about the last year, you talk about the men's tag team division proving they can headline WrestleMania. We've seen the women's tag titles headline a pay-per-view before several years ago. No reason it can't happen again with the right, like you said, effort put into it, attention on it, stuff like that. I mean, the division's gone through such a, Highs and lows, really, since it started four years ago. But in the last year from when the titles were kind of put on the shelf and then brought back, I assume you were stoked when, because Ronda was in the company when the titles kind of went away for a little while. It looked like from a fan standpoint, we may never see the women's tag team titles again. And then they get brought back as part of the tournament 
later on in the summer of last year. So I assume you and Ronda see that the, the, the belts kind of getting reintroduced in late August and just being stoked that you can eventually win them. Yeah, for sure. We, you know, um, we wanted to be a part of that first tournament. We wanted to be uh, like we win the WrestleMania match and we think for sure we're going to be in this title story after WrestleMania. And for whatever reason we weren't like, it's, it's been a thing we've wanted, like I said, for a long, long time. I mean, longer than we've been in the company. That's what I'm saying is like, it's not even like, oh, we sh- the titles are back in August. Let's go after yeah. those. It's like, this is something we talked about when I moved in in 2013 and everyone, and I forced everyone to watch wrestling on <laughs> Monday nights. You know what I mean? After training. Yeah. So um, it's, 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 it's been cool. It predates the actual creation of the women's yeah. tag team titles, yes. which I know a lot of women, Sasha Bailey specifically fought for, for many years. You talk about fighting. They really fought for yeah. those, got them created a couple of years ago. And it's just been an up and down roller coaster since then. Hopefully this is like you said, really the next step in progressing the division, progressing those championships. I know I said Rhonda the other day did that interview talking about the division and pretty much repeating what you said as far as wanting to take it to that next level. She had said specifically, and I think some people may take this out of context, saying that the division was dismally shallow. Now, I think, like you said, there's so much women on the roster. I don't think that's what she was talking about. I think she was kind of referring to what you said, right, as far as the lack of tag teams and getting more meaningful tag teams in the mix. Would you agree with that? I think it's it's obviously the the talent is it's the most talented locker room women's locker room in wrestling. Yeah. And um I think that obviously it, it, you know Rhonda gets nitpicked all the time for things she says but um yes when you look at the tag division I mean it's like okay these people win the titles and then what happens and every now and then they'll be on a pay-per-view maybe a pre-show and then for WrestleMania everyone wants a shot at the titles so everyone tries to team up with someone but it's like there's real teams and real stories and real talent to be putting together to make real compelling uh storylines surrounded around these titles as well and so like i said that would not take away from the the singles title it would enhance it could enhance there's so many storylines that that could coincide and enhance the singles title scene so um yeah that's that's something we we want that's something we said when we got this title match opportunity the four-way was like okay if we end up winning these it's off to the races it's like there's gonna be a few months where we're not getting a lot of sleep and we're (laughs) living in hotels but let's let's do this and so we had to sit down and go you ready to do this yep let's go yeah no i mean you talk about it right there especially from a fan standpoint i think one of the most frustrating things for us fans just watching the division the last couple of years specifically you talk about like the mania matches. I mean, you've been a part of three of them now, I think consecutively where it's literally just three or four teams fighting for the titles with no real rhyme or reason, no real teams. I think there's a stat where in the last four years that we've had women's tag team matches, a mania or tag team title matches, whatever it might be, none of the teams have stayed to get like literally none of them, which is actually kind of astounding. And I'm hoping you and Rhonda can kind of break that stigma surrounding the division. It's just, it's just, I think it's been um, uh, a sort of, perpetuated myth and i don't know that anyone says it out loud but i think it's this sort of thing that it's the thought being like if you're in a tag team you can't go after a singles title yep so nobody wants to be in a tag team because nobody wants everybody wants a singles title of course but uh but like i said like that that there's no reason they can't be just as important or be involved in that same story and the the men's division does it 
Um, and I think, like I said, we have the talent to do it in the women's division too. So that's what we're ready to show. We'll see what happens with the NXT women's tag team titles. Like you said, it would only make sense to at some point have a clash of champions, so to speak, between yourselves and Isla Dawn and Alba Fire. And But before that, I completely forgot that you were part of that initial match to create NXT women's tag team champions. Obviously yeah. not to crown the champions, but it was you and I that kind of perpetuated that, so to speak, like you said. Um, I mean, it obviously depends on what happens with the women's tag team titles from here. Would you like to see a situation going forward, depending again, what happens with the NXT tag titles? where you can defend the belts on all three brands. I mean, obviously more opportunities for you guys, but I just really like that concept. And having two women's tag team titles can be great too, if done properly. But it would also seem to suggest that if you have one set of women's tag titles going across all three brands, working with more talent from NXT, bringing more eyes to that brand, that division, is that something that interests you as well? Or just kind of keeping it strictly to the main roster and the NXT tag titles in NXT? Man, that's that's what look, Sasha and Bailey as a tag team went to all three brands. Uh Manaya and myself, even though for some reason people always forget that we also <laughs> went to all three brands. Yeah. Um, defending it like that's been a thing I've done as a tag team champion previous, so I'm ready to do it now. So um I think you know it's an understanding, uh, especially the singles titles. When you win the title, you have a lot more <laughs> um uh, what do you call it? Engagements to, to, to be called to. So sure. I think like the tag titles, if we are sitting here talking about how we want them to be as prestigious as the singles titles, then we also have to understand that the, the responsibility is going to be the same as well. And we're prepared to do all that. So looking at the division on both raw and SmackDown, I mean, even not including NXT, but at least just raw and SmackDown for now, which is where you guys can defend the championships. Like I said, and like you talked about, such a deep roster of female talent on both brands. What women, whether it be individually, because you said there can be more single stories as well, even as tag team champions, which is very true. You can go after the singles championships as well. There's no forbidden door there, to, you know, preventing you from going yeah. after those championships. Um, what talent would you like to work with and see elevated or even teams? I mean, we just saw Katana Chance and Caden Carter arrive in the rain raw, raw roster. Hopefully at some point we see them debut soon. That would be an obvious answer. But other women, like I said, Tegan Knox, we really haven't seen a whole lot of since she came back to WWE. Uh, Emma, among others, anyone in particular you guys are looking to work with or at some point would be interested in working with and taking them to that next level? Yeah, I mean, um, obviously you, you mentioned uh, the the NXT tag teams. Um, those are two easy ones to point out just because they're established and they're credible. Um, so, you know, it doesn't, it would not hurt the credibility of the titles to, to be defending against teams like that. Um, and there's, there are a ton of women that are wrestling a lot that people don't see on TV, you know, Tegan Knox being one of them. Um, she has a lot of experience as a tag team wrestler too. So, uh, you know, she could add a lot to the division. Um, um, there's, there's a ton, there's a ton. So, uh, Anyone that wants to step up, we want, give us a reason and we will tell everyone your reason. And then we will defend these titles, you know, in the last couple of years, I feel like from what I've seen talk about publicly, anyway, the new day are among those people that are one of those teams that have said actively, we do not want to split up like going against not orders, but like creative direction and like, all right, we're going to split you guys up. They don't want to. And I feel like that's not just with women's tag teams in WWE, but the male tag teams too. you drop the tag titles. 
you guys turn on each other. It's just such a, I mean, I know that's how wrestling works, obviously, but with you and Rhonda, it's been teased a little bit, but not really in that direction, which is cool to see that you guys remained a cohesive unit since coming together in WWE. Is that something you guys have talked about as far as like, no matter what happens, we're sticking together. We're not going to fall in that same trap of one turning on the other, or would you be interested in working a singles program against each other at some point down the road? Once the tag team stuff runs its course. I mean, we've talked about, so in combat sport, it's kind of this rule that, um, you know, an MMA or like amateur wrestling, jujitsu, whatever. Uh, it's kind of a thing where it's like, if I, if I have the title and my teammate works their way up through tournament and, uh, takes out everyone and earns their spot as my friend, it would be disrespectful for me to deny them that or to refuse to, to give them that opportunity. Mm. Um, and then, uh, uh, it's almost offensive. Like if, if the person bows out, like, Oh, she's my teammate. I'm not going to be like, wait, you don't, you don't think I have, I can defend against you. What's up. You know what (laughs) I mean? So um, we have talked about how that story hasn't really been told in a pro wrestling sense. It's always like someone angry turning, whatever, uh, a miscue that's misunderstood, whatever it is. Um, But the story of like how combat sports is, I think there's opportunity and untouched story um, along that path as well. All that being said, you know, we, we, we have these to defend. And if that comes along, you know, that, that comes along. It's not like, um, I don't know. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. <laughs> like I said, we, we don't want to be stuck in that mode where we have these. So we're not looking at the singles titles anymore. Yep. So we'll see what happens. We could see a situation where you and uh, Ronda mm-hmm. are fighting over the Raw Women's Championship while still tag team champions. I mean, it's very, pro- yeah. I mean, or the SmackDown Women's title. We, we still don't know what's going on there. Whatever title is on the Raw roster, I guess that's being whichever one, for. whichever one you guys could be fighting for. Last question for you, though. I literally had no idea until, I mean, now seeing your background and just seeing your Instagram post from a month ago that you were such a big Star Wars fan. I feel like such a yeah. fool for not knowing that previously. I, I assume just you got to be stoked for this upcoming Ahsoka show coming up in August. I mean, how much have you have you followed all like the shows and stuff or just the movies? How deep of a fan are I mean, I could see from the poster, obviously. Yeah, yeah. I follow all the shows, the movies. I'm a Star Wars nerd. I have <laughs> I um. I paint miniatures also, and there's a miniature Star Wars tabletop game, Star Wars Legions, that I paint those guys. So I'm a big Star Wars fan, yeah. That's I'm, awesome. I'm stoked. I'm stoked about Ahsoka. Also, yeah. that uh, time in the lore of Star Wars is one of my favorite time periods where um, the Inquisitors are out hunting the Jedi. It's such a cool, cool time period. It's cool to see in live action. I literally just finished Clone Wars and Rebels with my girlfriend. She hadn't been into Star Wars until May the 4th last year, and we started watching the movies together, and we've seen... We just watched Nine finally the other day. We're ready for Ahsoka. We're wrapping up Mandalorian, so we're super stoked for it. I know you guys got a busy schedule. Were you able to catch Return of the Jedi in theaters last month or no? I, I couldn't. I didn't. And I hate it. I hate <laughs> that I couldn't. I hate yeah. it, but um, I couldn't see it. But, you know... Star Wars Day. We we still celebrated Star Wars cool. Day, you know? That's all that matters. Hey, listen, it's on Disney Plus. You can watch it whenever you want. That's but, true. Uh, that's true. So you can watch it whenever you uh, have the time, obviously. But before then, people can catch you every single Monday on Raw, Shannon, as the WWE Women's Tag Team Champion, alongside Ronda Rousey on USA Network. Shannon, thanks so much for the time. Always a pleasure talking to you. I appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate it, too. 
Always a great time chatting with Shana. I think that was our third or fourth chat in the last couple of years. So check out our other interviews from past years and that interview in written form from Bleach Report last week and the video going up probably tomorrow on the YouTube channel, youtube.com backslash WrestleRant. Now we jump into my conversation with Mr. Marceau here on episode 501 of WrestleRant Radio, completely forgetting about episode 500 last week until earlier this week. Happy to have you a part of the milestone, Mr. Marceau. I can't believe you forgot about 500, buddy. <laughs> How can I That's the first thing I thought of. When you said you missed it, I'm like, dude, this kid's a fucking number whiz. How did he not, like, realize that? I can tell you what I ate for breakfast five years ago today, but I, I, I didn't remember that WrestleRant Radio was the 500th episode last week. I think I'm more concerned about the 10-year anniversary coming up in October, which... It falls on, like, it's not the exact day, like, the the exact anniversary, I think, is on, like, a Sunday or something. But I think I was kind of thinking more about that, not the actual number of episodes. But still, an amazing accomplishment. Appreciate you having you here for, I mean, you, you pulled the Roman Reigns schedule on me for a couple of years there. But beyond that, especially the last three, four years when we first started, you've probably, I mean, I can't, it, it would take me a long time to sit here and do the math. You've probably been a part of a good 400 episodes of that, if not uh, if not more than that, which is pretty pretty remarkable. Seriously, especially the ones you kicked me off from. <laughs> hey, we don't talk about that period, all right? We don't talk about that. We, we move hey, on. Never from... forget. Hey, never forget where you came from. <laughs> it happened. It is It is in the uh, WrestleRant radio lore. Many <laughs> co-hosts and uh, guests along the way, but <laughs> that is definitely a part of it. Um, a lot to talk about here today. Like I mentioned, Forbidden Door coming up on Sunday. We will save predictions for that pay-per-view coming up at the end. A lot like AEW saved a lot of their build for that pay-per-view until the end. I mean, we had four matches announced as of... Wednesday morning, as we sit here speaking right now, 10 matches. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Like, that's crazy. And there's more that gets announced on Rampage, I saw. It yeah, I, well, I'm, I'm looking at Wikipedia. There is a match I was not familiar with that uh, apparently did get announced on Rampage. So, brief spoiler when we get to that later. But, uh, you know, who, who watches Rampage anyway? But um, we'll get to that at the end of the show. We'll talk about WWE first and a couple of announcements made that we were already talking about before we hit record here. New pay-per-view announcements made uh, coming up in September and October, respectively. We got the return of, what is it, Payback. I almost said... Payback's uh, first, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Payback was first, and that's coming up on, don't tell Tony Khan, Labor Day weekend. And that's going to be in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania for that show. I think that's Saturday, so All Out, which... I don't think it's been 100% confirmed. I think they've said it in interviews, but not put tickets on sale, which is interesting. But um, that's going to be happening there on the Saturday of All Out Week. And a lot like with uh, Clash the Castle, although this isn't as big of a deal. So the return of payback, I think for the first time since 2020, almost exactly on the three-year anniversary of when Roman Reigns won that very universal championship at payback, I think that was August 30th. This is happening September 2nd. So we're going to approach the exact three-year anniversary of Roman Reigns as champion on that exact same show. Following month is the return of Fastlane for the first time, I think, since 2021, I believe, they did the show. They're so forgettable. They're very is easy to forget. that when I went to visit you at college? No, that was like 2017. <laughs> <laughs> that was the last one I remember. I remember that one. And none of them have been good. Not a single Fastlane show has been worth watching, but they did do one in 2021 during COVID. I think it was headlined by Roman and Daniel Bryan, I want to say. Edge's special guest referee. Um, 
Sheamus and Drew, I think, in a match. It was like two weeks before Mania. I remember telling you at the time, like, why the fuck are they doing a show so close to WrestleMania? But it was because it was the first show of the Peacock era, and they wanted to work out any bugs and shit like that. So, um, yeah, we haven't had it in about two and a half years, and we're going to be getting it again in October in Indianapolis. So it was reported by Fightful Select, and I actually understand this, and it makes sense that they're now waiting to announce pay-per-views as opposed to announcing their entire slate for the year, which I, I like because I like to know what's coming up and when and where. But now they they want to give each pay-per-view its own moment by announcing it separately. Now, they announced two pay-per-views at the same time this past week um, with Payback and Fastlane, but that's what's coming up this fall. So, I, you know, we talked a number of months ago about the new pay-per-view schedule. What would it look like? Will they do less shows a year? They're doing less shows, um, but they're still doing these meaningless quarterly, pay- not even quarterly, but like these monthly pay-per-views that just don't need to be happening. We had a month in December where there were no shows. That might have been due to the holidays or whatever, but we had no pay-per-view in December. We've had a pay-per-view every month since then, except this month. We don't have one this month, but we had two in May, so that kind of evens out. But like every pay-per-view I feel like we've had so far since Survivor Series has been meaningful like we had war games and then the rumble and then elimination chamber which i'm not a big fan of but it was in montreal it was a big deal wrestlemania obviously uh backlash in puerto rico we've got night of champions i'm not a big fan of the saudi shows but they've been better night of champions was a a a really good show i think money in the bank in london they're still doing the money in the bank pay-per-view but at least it's in london SummerSlam is in detroit but you know it's SummerSlam, whatever and then payback in friggin uh pittsburgh and then we have this other show, Fastlane, in Indianapolis. It's like, all right, they're not big markets, and it's not a big pay-per-view, so I'm not exactly sure why I'm supposed to care. It is an improvement over Hell in the Cell and Extreme Rules. I will say that much. They could have very easily just put Extreme Rules back in the same slot that it was in last year, but it looks like they're indeed done with the gimmick pay-per-views, and they're just going to go with a standard show. I would rather they use a better name or a better theme as opposed to fucking Payback or Fastlane, which doesn't even make sense because the whole point of Fastlane was on the Fastlane to WrestleMania, but whatever. Um, I would, you know, the mark in me, as I've always said, and I'll complain here for a second. It's not that big of a deal. It's it's not that big of a deal. I acknowledge that in tweet, but bringing back, if we're going to bring back old pay-per-views, bring back No Mercy or Payback is fine. Fastlane is just dumb. Or just make up a new pay-per-view. There's nothing wrong with creating new shows as well. But regardless, Mr. Marceau, your thoughts on the announcements of Payback and Fastlane coming up this fall? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, like you said, I think I I prefer, like, getting, seeing the slate at the beginning of the year and being like, oh, like, they're coming to this city in this time. But like I said, I guess it makes it more, I don't know, must-see or it's kind of newer if you don't, like, you kind of find out a month or two in advance. So I guess that's kind of the direction they're going in. I don't know why else you would do that, but... No, I, I think I like the idea. Like I said, I don't really get too caught up in the pay-per-view names. I mean, I think payback makes sense. Like I said, three years after Roman basically won the belt. And then Fastlane, I mean, like you said, technically it was supposed to be the Fastlane at WrestleMania. I mean, I guess we're doing the Fastlane to Crown Jewel or whatever we're doing <laughs> yeah, in Saudi. So. But, uh, I mean, it doesn't really bother me. I think, like I said, I think the pay-per-views have been good late this whole year so. I mean, even though it's like a B pay-per-view, I think it'd still be a decent show. Yeah, we're still, I forgot about that too. We're very likely getting a Saudi show probably in November again. So, I mean, I guess we did last year too. We had two pay-per-views in November. So it sounds like we have less shows when you don't do in December, but we really don't. They just kind of spaced them out a bit differently. Like in May, like I said, we had two in May this year, none in June. But Night of Champions was over Memorial Day weekend and Money in the Bank is on the cusp. It's on July 1st. So it's basically a June pay-per-view. But anyway... Um, yeah, we'll see how it shakes out. I would rather, 
Actually, on, on a quick side note, I, I would, like I said, bring back old pay-per-views. Do you think that after they scrapped it for Saudi Arabia a couple of months ago, and they put Night of Champions in its place, do you think the Crown Jewel show in November might become King of the Ring? Because King of the Ring was supposed to happen in May. And like I said, they reshifted it to Night of Champions, which made sense because they did the whole World Heavyweight Championship stuff and everything else with Roman Reigns. It didn't make sense to do King of the Ring on that show after those announcements were made. Do you think they might be saving it for Saudi Arabia, which is where they crowned the last king and queen in 2021, and they were going to do it again back in May? Do you think that could be reserved for the November pay-per-view this year? I mean, I think that's possible. And then, like, the winners could then face, like, they could get their title shots at Survivor Series. Um, depending on what they do for that show. Like I said, I, don't, I haven't heard anything of War Games. I mean, maybe they could do that and not do the War Games. I'm not sure. Maybe they could still do War Games and do that as well. But I think it would make sense, like you said, have them win their Survivor Series probably two or three weeks later, and then they could get their title shots there. Are we naive to think that they're actually going to give out title shots this time and not just a dumb crown? I think they will. I think it makes sense. The, the crown just is just stupid. I think that's more of a Vince thing, so... Hopefully they move away from that. Yeah, I mean, that would make sense, and they haven't given out title shots in, I think, 20 years since Brock won in 2002, but, you know, that would make the most sense. I would hope they do go in that direction to make the king and queen of the ring tournaments more meaningful this time around. Uh, before we get it raw for Monday, which that was a good show overall, got to mention this from SmackDown. We don't talk a lot about SmackDown because it's typically outdated by the time this goes up, but the Usos defecting from the bloodline last week on the show. An amazing angle with Jay Uso finally making his decision. I did not think we would get it, honestly, before the pay-per-view. I thought, I figured we would get the tag team match. I just didn't think that it would happen um, the way that it did with Jay making his decision now and not at that show. I thought him and Jimmy might be like reluctant partners or he doesn't trust them or whatever. But no, they drew the line in the sand. It's going to be Jay and Jimmy away from the bloodline facing Roman and Solo coming up on that pay-per-view next weekend. Talk about the angle. I know you enjoyed it as much as I did. Oh, it was literally perfect. Like you said, cinema is the best way to say it. Cinema, like, yeah. They, they took you on the roller coaster. You didn't want it to end. Jay turning on Roman. Just the way Roman sold was amazing. The suit, the reaction by Solo, the reaction by Heyman. Jay, Jimmy hit them with this hit Solo with the super kick. They hit Roman again. It was just, oh, chef's kiss and then Jay ripped off his shirt like, like literally it was like impeccable timing it just it was great i mean they replayed on raw it was one of those you just keep like usually the smackdown replays just fast forward how to watch it again i mean it was just great stuff and like i said the civil war bloodline match at money in the bank i mean i think i'm more excited than that than the uh money in the bank matches so uh, i think it's gonna be a good match don't know who's gonna win but i mean it's it's great shit pal yeah, we talk about the Bloodline storyline every week, where it's going, what the progression is, what the end game is. Does this change your mind at all as far as what the SummerSlam match might be? I think the Usos could quite likely win at this pay-per-view, uh, coming up at Money in the Bank win this tag team match, and nothing's on the line. I know we mentioned last week, what, if they had the championship? They could. I mean, we still have this week's SmackDown, next week's SmackDown. Um, it, it's possible. I don't think it needs it. I mean, it is ridiculous. Roman hasn't defended since WrestleMania, but that's just the way the cards have fallen since then. Um... What would you rather see is my question, my bloodline question of the week for you this week. Would you rather see Roman versus Jay or Roman versus Jimmy at that show? My question isn't just in general, because I assume we will see both matches eventually is my guess. But at that show coming out of Money in the Bank, what match appeals to you more? I mean, I guess a four-way with the bloodline makes sense too, but it might be a little too soon for that. God, the weekly, I don't like the answer question. (laughs) Um, That's so, it's so tough because I feel like I'd, I'd way rather see Jimmy 
I'd rather, way rather see Jay in Roman than Jimmy in Roman. I just feel like the stories with Jay, I mean, yes, Jimmy's never had a shot at Roman, but I just feel like, I don't know, I feel like Jimmy is, I'd rather see Jim, or rather see Jay than Jimmy. So, I think we'll get, I'm going to say we're going to get Jay and Roman. I don't know, I just, I feel like that SummerSlam, I don't think Jimmy is SummerSlam worthy. Yeah, and whatever Roman's involved in on that show, you know is headlining. So, I mean, honestly, I think Jimmy and Roman could work as a main event just because the Bloodline stuff is so hot. Yeah, the match isn't as big on paper. I mean, Jay isn't a main event star, but, you know, he's he, the story's all about him, and it just makes more sense. Um, I could still see Jimmy main eventing that show and whatever they do to set up him and Jay at the next show, and uh, let me check my notes, payback in uh, in Pittsburgh, so... I, I feel like that would have worked better as, like, a Money in the Bank type match, and then you set up Jay for SummerSlam, but again, that's just the way the cards have fallen. There's a very good chance that this storyline is not just for the summer, and it will extend through the fall, and maybe even the winter, just to bid, uh, bridge the gap between now and WrestleMania, if we are indeed getting Roman and Cody next year at WrestleMania. Not saying that's confirmed. That's what I want to see. Uh, I know I'm the biggest uh, proponent of that match happening again, and Cody winning, but nothing is for certain at this point. I, I've, I've also kind of not come to terms, but I've also thought about a lot lately about how, do you think there's a chance with the Cody stuff, you know, we've talked about, oh, is it going to happen? Is it not going to happen? I know we've talked about that, but the one thing that's kind of come to my mind is that I know Cody's story, excuse me, was with the WWE title, but do you think now with the World Heavyweight Championship, they can kind of, I I don't want to see this, but do you think they could pivot the story to him saying, yeah, like, listen, Dusty wanted the WWE title, but he also just wanted to be world champion, and if I win the world title, that's kind of like me winning the world title for him, and this belt kind of looks like the belt that he used to hold back in NWA, so do you think that they could kind of pivot to the World Heavyweight Championship instead of the WWE title, and would you want to see that? I mean, I think it's possible. I don't know if I want to see it, but I feel like the stories with the WWE belt, like you said, I mean, I guess you could pivot, but if you're going to finish the story, I mean... It, would, it, it makes sense with the right belt. And it's worth noting, too, that, I mean, I, I forgot to mention this within an update. As far as the title lineage goes with the WWE title, they are still acknowledging that lineage and the universal title lineage. I mean, Roman came out, I forgot to mention this, <coughs> excuse me, with all three championships last week on SmackDown. The new undisputed WWE Universal Championship, the yellow belt, the black belt, the typical WWE title, and the blue belt, the Universal Championship. It is so completely fucking ridiculous, but I assume they're doing that because Roman, you know, they want to make it look like he's an unstoppable champion. I mean, it doesn't make much sense to give him a new belt if he's still holding the old belt. I think it's ridiculous. Why Why does Rollins have one if, you know, it's stupid. You don't see Rhea or Asuka coming out with two belts. It's stupid. Um, but I assume they know it's dumb and they're doing that on purpose because he's a heel full of himself or whatever. Any thoughts on Roman coming? Roman three belts last week on SmackDown. I like it. I saw you I saw you on Twitter and all that. I think it's great. I mean, like I said, he's not technically holding him. Paul Heyman is. So, I mean, I think it just adds to his presentation. Like you said, it like makes him look like a bigger boss than he already is. I mean, I don't know. I don't mind it. I mean, it doesn't bother me. And as long as they... As long as when the run is over, they retire those two title belts, go with the new one, and then from that point forward, continue on with the WWE title lineage, that's all I'm content with. But we won't find out until he loses, which won't be until 2028 anyway, so it doesn't even really matter. Uh, But we get to Raw from Monday night. A lot of stuff going on. Uh, We were supposed to get a World Heavyweight Championship open challenge with Rollins hosting. And Balor attacked Rollins. You would think, okay, they're going to set it up for later on in the show. 
It didn't happen. Balor's attack was so vicious with th- three coup de gras on Rollins at ringside. They never ended up doing the match. And instead, they just kind of moved on. They did a six-man tag team match main event instead. Rollins still did defend against Braun Breaker on NXT, and they pulled in, I think you said before we hit record, 770,000 viewers or somewhere around that ballpark. Their highest rating since 2020, which hardly a surprise, um, with Rollins being on the show, World Heavyweight Championship being defended. But that being said, they didn't do the open challenge, reportedly per Fightful, I believe it was, maybe PW Insider, I think it was Fightful, that this was a Vince call. Vince made some pretty drastic changes to the first half hour of the show by canceling the open challenge because he wanted to put more heat on Finn Balor. You know, this might come as a surprise, actually. I'm going to defend that decision. Uh, There's a lot of things that Vince does or we hear that he changes that are fucking dumb. This is one that I'm not upset at. One complaint is that they spend a whole week, oh, World Heavyweight Championship title defense, and it doesn't happen. That, to me, is false advertising. I mean, it's not like they pretended it never happened, but they didn't deliver on it. I think that's silly. The positive, though, I think, is that if it was going to be Ciampa, reportedly it was going to be Ciampa. Ciampa came back anyway and faced The Miz in, in a match that he that he won. If he faced Rollins, he wouldn't have won. He doesn't need to win, but he just would have been another challenger and they would have had a great match and that would have been awesome at some point. Hopefully we could still see that. I think the way that it played out with Ciampa coming back, ending his little story with The Miz and beating him and coming back as a babyface and kind of declaring he's a babyface, basically was better than just having him go out there and face Rollins. If it was supposed to be Johnny Gargano when they canceled it, in Cleveland is pretty dumb, but it, it sounds like that wasn't the plan. So, your thoughts on the change of plans uh, from Monday night, whether you think it was the right move or not? No, I completely agree. I think with how the crowd reacted the week before, and we just like missed that... that pro- like One of Balor's best promos ever had, because the crowd would shut the fuck up and mm-hmm. chant this stupid song. I feel like this was needed. I feel like... I mean, like you said, I, I mean, not like I don't want to give Vince any credit, but like if this was his decision, I mean, I think it was a good one. I mean, I think it helped get heat on, on Balor. And like I said, we missed his greatest promo ever because fans would shut up. So I think this was necessary and it got more heat on Balor and it continued on to NXT. So, I mean, I, I, I think it was a good decision. Balor was ruthless this week. You mentioned it. he attacked Rollins following his match with Braun Breaker on Tuesday as well. Balor making the uh, making the towns. Doesn't matter if they are, uh, I forgot where they or they were in Cleveland, obviously, like I just said. Making Cleveland, making Orlando, he's all over the place attacking Rollins. It doesn't matter. That would be, that would be funny if they continued this and showed footage of it from the house shows coming up this weekend. Um, but I like that angle. But like I mentioned, he defended against Braun Breaker on Tuesday's NXT. Walking in injured was Rollins, but he was never going to lose, obviously. Um, the outcome was never in doubt, but it, it was a really good match. They had a really fun match. Breaker looking really good in defeat. I will say I'm a big stickler for like kicking out of finishers. I would only really do it when it matters. This wasn't a, a pointless television match. It was a World Heavyweight title main event. So I get it. Um, but at the same time, it's like, it just didn't feel like a big deal. He kicked out of the pedigree, did Braun Breaker. And I'm thinking, I don't know. The final sequence there with some of the stuff they were doing kind of felt a little rushed. Maybe they were running out of time. Um, I wasn't a fan of that, but the overall match was good. Breaker looked great. He really hasn't had a lot of, if any, bad matches in NXT has Braun Breaker, and he showed once again he's a star on the rise with that performance. So your thoughts on the match and uh, kind of what we got from Breaker and Rollins on Tuesday, if you caught it? No, I thought it was good. I, I watched the Gold Rush show. I thought it was a solid show overall. I thought, obviously, this was the gem out of all the matches, but I thought Braun looked good. Like you said, I feel like he hasn't really had any bad matches, um, but him with Rollins didn't seem out of place. Um, I mean, I think it kind of solidified he will be a top guy, and I thought it was a good match. So 
like you said, the, don't love kicking out of the finisher, but it didn't really bother me. I thought like it was a big enough match, and like for him at least, at least Braun, in, in a sense, that it didn't bother me too much. Yeah, and I know there's something to be said about, like, oh, you want to protect Braun and defeat. They kind of did that with the kickout, which, again, I wasn't a big fan of. It didn't, like, make me cry or whatever. It's not that big of a deal. But um, they could have very easily just had Ilya Dragunov get involved. Braun got involved in Ilya's match last week with Baron Corbin, and Baron won because of Braun's interference on Ilya. They could have very easily had Ilya return the favor here. I'm glad they didn't do that. That would have watered it down. Rollins, I know he was hurt, but he doesn't really need the help. I don't think he loses anything from losing clean. It's fucking Rollins. It's Seth fucking Rollins, as as it as it should be. Um, so that didn't bother me. I appreciated that there were no shenanigans. He won clean, and that was it. So a really good match. And I think he now is a ready-made program, right? When Braun goes to the main roster at some point, probably in the near future, not saying he should target Rollins first, but uh, it is a ready-made program for down the road. No, I'm, d- I'm down. Yeah, I think it just makes a lot of sense, especially given the chemistry they had in this match. Uh, but I mentioned Ciampa. Ciampa came back on Monday's Raw answering an impromptu open challenge from The Miss, who said that uh, that he was going to accept Rollins' challenge before Balor in, you know, attacked Rollins. So, uh, Balor, I did not know that was supposed to be a babyface turn for him, but if Miz was supposed to accept that challenge in storyline, then Balor turned babyface for me with that move, because that would have been terrible. Not that the match would have been bad, but Miz means, just means nothing. Um, he hasn't won since December. This was no exception. Ciampa comes out to a very good response. And not only coming out to a good pop, he came out to his old NXT music. Came out to No One Will Survive. He hasn't had that song since early 2022. When he was still in NXT, he changed it right before he made the move to the main roster. And he's had a couple different themes since then, but I, I don't know if it's a one-week thing. Now I know, you know, Gargano came back with uh, his old CFO music, and they gave him the new song with by Def Rebel. The thing is that Ciampa already had new music made, so I'm not sure why he would go back to the old song and then... If he was going to get a new Def Rebel song, that'd be stupid. Maybe they just did it for the pop. I mean, that's also possible. I don't know. Either way, a great showing here from Ciampa. He's in a phenomenal shape. He beat Miz decisively. It seems like he'll be a babyface going forward, which has got to mean good sign for a potential DOI reunion. So, your thoughts on the return of Ciampa after a near nine-month hiatus and uh, his good showing and win over the Miz? No, I thought it was a good comeback. Like you said, I think him... Finishing up that little story, the Miz, like Miz thought he was on his side, beats him up. Miz, like I said, Miz challenging for the belt is just laughable at this point. I mean, he's literally been so poorly booked that it's like, it's funny if he actually got a title shot. Even my dad, who's like pretty casual at best, like he watches, but like, he's like, they just beat the Miz every week, huh? I'm like, yep. Like, and he's not even a big Miz guy, but like anyone can see like, Anything he's involved with lately has been absolutely terrible. So, Every single week, him yeah. Chasing Rollins, no thank you. No, that would have been terrible. They already had a match a couple of weeks ago that Rollins won. There was no reason to run it back. So, um, yeah, no, I like you mentioned, they kind of finished up the Chompa Miz thing because the last time we saw Chompa on the show, he was allies with the Miz, and I liked how they kind of threw that in there during the match. If you saw it, he threw Miz back in the ring to Chompa, and then he looked at the commentators and said, "He never called me one time." So kind of explaining, like, that's why he was pissed at Miz. They were friends, or seemingly uh, friends, nine months ago. And we were all hoping they would break them up. I mean, they were together for a couple of months for no fucking reason. Like, they had no reason being partners. I know Ciampa said when we saw him and interviewed him last summer, he was like, oh, I enjoy it, Miz is a good person to learn from. Yeah, I'm sure behind the scenes, but on screen, Miz is like death at this point. So I'm glad they're no longer aligned. Um, do you want to see a DIY reunion in the tag team ranks? I mean, it seems like tag team wrestling is on the ascent again in WWE. 
you know, we have Alpha Academy and Viking Raiders feuding right now, not lighting the world on fire, but, you know, it's a side story in that division. You have Indushir on the Ascend. Owens and Zayn are just fucking killing it right now. Imperium are great. And on SmackDown, not every team is great, but you got a couple of really good teams with the Profits. You have Pretty Deadly as the new number one contenders to the tag team titles on SmackDown next week. A um, lot of good teams. I think uh, DIY entering those ranks could even maybe even be the team down the road to, to dethrone Owens and Zayn as tag team champions. No, I think that'd be good. I think, like you said, I don't see Gargano and Champa really getting a singles run right now, so putting them in a tag team division that seems to be on the ups, I mean, wouldn't hate it. It'd be pretty cool. Pretty newsworthy edition of Raw on Monday between all of that and, and, and a bunch more. Uh, Logan Paul making his return to Raw, and we wondered last week, what is next for Logan Paul? Who does he feud with? Why is he back? And why is he back now? Well, we found out on Monday night he's officially entered himself into the men's Money in the Bank ladder match. He said specifically he was invited to partake in the matchup. So getting that Charlotte Flair invitation, not having to do anything to qualify. <laughs> like Charlotte Flair does nothing to earn title shots at this point. She just shows up and asks for it, and she gets it. Same thing here with Logan Paul. Uh, he is in the match. We now have seven people in that match and automatically is the odds-on favorite to win the briefcase. And I like Logan Paul. I don't know if we meant went into great detail about this last week. I like the idea of him winning Money in the Bank at some point. I just feel like to put the briefcase on him, even Damian Priest, who I like a lot, or really anyone else in that match, I feel like would be just an absolute insult to the audience who clearly wants to get behind L.A. Knight. How do you book this, Mr. Marceau? Who wins Money in the Bank? And we're going to do our official predictions next week. Anything can change between now and then. But Logan Paul's in the field. To me, like I told you, I want LA Knight to win still. But my prediction is shifted to Logan Paul, just knowing what WWE's done in the past. Yeah, I mean, I want I want Knight to win. I'm always, a, I'm always the optimistic. I'll, I'll still stick with Knight. I mean, I think there's a good chance that Logan Paul wins. But, I mean, I don't really want to see it happen. So, I'll say Knight wins. I just I feel like he's so hot right now. It'd be a mistake not to put on him. But I mean, it's also WWE, so wouldn't overly shock me if he didn't win. But uh, no, I think Logan Paul could. Like you said, he is a good person to win it. I just I think if 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 anyone but if LNA wasn't in it, then okay, I'd give it to him. But like he's in it, he's so over right now. I think it'd be a huge mistake to not like not give it to him now. Like everyone else in it, it's like Ricochet, no Shinsuke, no. Uh, well, I mean Damian. Maybe Santos, Santa, no. no, Bush, Bush no. no. So it's like I mean, like everyone else. Like if it was just everyone else, and they included him. Okay, I get it. But LA Knight's so over right now. I feel like he's one of those people that needs the briefcase and then catapult him. I just feel like he's so over. It's a big mistake to not do it. I mean, dude, that reaction he got on Monday was ridiculous. I mean, he was the most over person on that entire show, aside from Seth fucking Rollins and Cody Rhodes and and, and Owens and Zayn. Beyond those guys, I mean, he's supposed to be a heel too. He was pretty over. Came out, got a great reaction, had the crowd chanting his name during the segment. I mean, come on. How do you not put the briefcase on the guy? Now, you mentioned this possibility, I think, before we hit record here. Could you see a scenario where he loses, but WWE realizes how over LA Knight is, and they instead turn him babyface? Which, the problem there, though, is that on Sm- unless he switches brands, and Logan Paul can go wherever, so it doesn't really matter where the feud takes place. It kind of it, it can be on SmackDown. Um, LA Knight is a heel right now, but if they turn him babyface, that would put him in the same conversation on SmackDown as Bobby Lashley, unless they turn one of these people, but Bobby Lashley, AJ Styles, Rey Mysterio, and Edge whenever he's around. So, I mean, he's not going to be higher in the pecking order than them. He's already pretty low in the pecking order 
reportedly on SmackDown as far as the heels go, even though he's probably the biggest heel beyond Roman. I mean, he's the biggest star on that show beyond Roman Reigns on the heel side. Definitely more so than fucking Karrion Cross at this point, I would say, and Grayson Waller. But um, even still, I just think an LA Knight Logan Paul feud after what we saw, the little bit of them interacting on Monday night would be fun. I just don't think there's a scenario where we can have our cake and eat it too, where LA Knight wins the briefcase and feuds with Logan and goes over. I think it's, there's a better chance that Logan wins the briefcase, cost Logan or cost LA Knight the match. That could be the SummerSlam match. They might not see LA Knight as a massive star, so there's a decent chance that program won't happen. I'm just thinking from an in-ring standpoint and on the mic, it would be really entertaining. But I could see a scenario where Logan Paul wins the briefcase but loses to LA Knight because they typically, whoever holds the briefcase almost always loses anyway. Could you see that happening? Would you want to see it happen? I mean, it's definitely possible. Like I said, I kind of, it's just one of those things like, where does the company see him? I just, like I said, I think he's extremely over, but I don't know if they see him at that level. I mean, if they do turn him babyface, I mean, they could do him and Rollins. I mean, not him and Rollins, him and Theory, in a sense. But, I mean, even that, I just, uh, I mean, Theory's just fucking white. He's so cool right now. It's not funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but, I mean, if he's not going to win the briefcase, I guess you go in that direction. Maybe LNA wins the United States Championship out at SummerSlam. But besides that, I mean, I just think right, you have it in front of you now. Why not just take it? Like, I mean, like, I understand, like, they have plans and stuff like that. But, like, you can make an audible. I mean, the fans are she's so fucking over right now. And, like, their biggest concern about him is his age. So if you're going to strike with him, it's now. It's now or never at this point. So... I feel like it's dumb just to not take it when it's right in front of you. Logan Paul has got years ago. LA Knight's no spring chicken over here, so I think what the crowd reaction is getting now would be a mistake not to just capitalize on it. No, I agree. I also just think, too, especially with Logan Paul, and again, I like the idea of him winning it at some point, not this year necessarily. I think it's a great fit for the match. He should work well with everyone in that match. Him and Santos, him and Ricochet again should be great. I just don't like the idea of him winning, and as a heel, it fits him perfectly he would probably cash in successfully, right? I mean, you look at the last couple of winners for the men. Theory last year was a disaster. He was booked terribly. He cashed in to lose on a fucking mid-card title. It doesn't get much worse than that. One one of, if not the worst cash-in of all time. We've said that before. You have him. Otis didn't even cash in the contract. He gave it to The Miz, basically. He lost it to The Miz, who had an eight-day title run after he cashed in successfully. Big E was one of the more successful, one of the probably the only success story for Money in the Bank in the last couple of years. He had a good run with the briefcase. He won the title. He was over. Reign wasn't the greatest, but it was still a decent reign. Before that, you had Baron Corbin, Braun Strowman. Brock held the title for a month. He didn't even need the briefcase. Like, we need a real success story here and someone that was made for the briefcase. Otherwise, the gimmick is a waste of time. LA Knight is that guy with Logan Paul. He's never been world champion before, but at the same time, could he cash in on, in London on Seth Rollins and they have a rematch at SummerSlam and Rollins wins the belt back? Well, again, what's the point? What's accomplished? And then even if you do that, we already saw them feud a couple months ago. And I just, I don't know, man. I just think that's a waste of the briefcase. It's a waste of time. It's a waste of a world championship program. Um, he shouldn't cash in immediately anyway. I don't know. Your thoughts on that? Is that something that you would want to see or am I just in the minority here? I think I'd like to see him, him and Rollins run it back. But, I mean, no, I'd like to see him and Rollins. I'd like to see him and Rollins run it back, but like I said, I don't want it to happen immediately. I don't want him rush a cash in just to do them at SummerSlam. Like, we just had it earlier in the year. I think if they ran it back, like, even next year, like, a little bit, they bleed it out. I thought it was a great feud, so I, I think I definitely want to see it again. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But, I mean, honestly, maybe if we get a quick cash-in or, like, we get a cash-in, maybe if we get kind of more serious Rollins, like, oh, you're too busy jerking off and dancing around, like, prancing around, maybe get more serious Rollins, so maybe that's the better idea. But, I don't know, I just, I don't, like you said, I also, in a theory, he doesn't really need the briefcase because he's such a star, like, he can just get a title match for him. LA Knight needs the briefcase. Yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to get at. I always say that, like, with the briefcase, I mean, it's, like, people that need it. Like, I love Becky to death, but does she need the women's money in the bank? No, she get a fucking, she's a multi-time champion. She doesn't need it. No. So, like, that's why I'd rather see EO win. But with this, I'd rather, like, LA Knight, this is his chance. If he doesn't get it now, he's never going to contend for a title. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. I mean, he, he's over enough to where he could use that briefcase to get to that next level. Without the briefcase, is he challenging Roman Reigns on his own? Probably not, unless they find a way to get there, get a backdoor way. I mean, that's what the briefcase is for, I would say. We talked about that last week. And cashing in at a mid-card championship, I'm just not a fan of. I know other people, they were in the comments last week saying, hey, it's a good idea, like, I guess, but... To me, it's not. I just think it's a waste. Uh, personal opinion. But, I don't know. I just feel like with Logan Paul winning, it's a lose-lose right now because if he wins it, he's going to cash in. And I would love for someone to wait an entire year to cash in next year, but they've never done that before, and I don't think they'll ever do it because they just don't have the patience. They don't think that far in advance. If Logan Paul wins the briefcase, I don't think he holds on to it for nine months. He'll probably cash in right away or soon after. The problem there then either becomes he's world champion for a month and he loses it, Again, what's the point? Rollins already beat him. Them running it back is fine, because their feud was great, but it was recently, and it's not like Rollins has never beat him before. That's the thing. Like, he's already given him his comeuppance, and they had a really good match. They did this with Brock and Rollins, actually, coincidentally enough, four years ago, where they had the match at Mania, Brock cashes in, they run it back at SummerSlam. The match at Mania was two minutes, so I get it. They already had a full-length match at Mania. They don't need to do it again right now, anyway. And the other problem is, if Logan Paul is champion for more than a month, you run into the same issue we have on SmackDown right now with the part-time world champion. Logan Paul, at some point, I guarantee you, will be a champion some fashion, some way, somewhere in this company. Some title. I just don't think it needs to happen right now at a time when we already have Roman Reigns barely showing up. Right now he is, but after SummerSlam, do you think he's going to be there? Fuck no, of course not. He's not. He, you think Roman Reigns is working payback or fucking... Fastlane? Fuck no, he's not going to work those shows. We need someone with a world champion that will be around. Logan Paul, I don't think, is that guy. Rollins, or anyone else on that roster, is that guy. So it's just a timing thing. That, that That's my whole thing with Logan Paul right now. I just think, to say, hey, we're going to give the win to LA Net. Alright, never mind, fuck you, we're going to give it to Logan Paul. Why? Because fuck you, that's why. I just think that's typical WWE bullshit. I appreciate the optimism. My pick remains Logan Paul, unless something changes. Um, I know we touched the briefcase on Monday. That's typically a red herring. Like, all right, he's not actually going to win, but <laughs> I'm, I'm not. I got to be realistic here with this company. I don't want to get excited and get my hopes up, and then LA Knight loses, and then it's back to the undercard on Friday nights. So we'll see where they go with it. Um, last two things from Raw. Who's next for Rhea Ripley, dude? She destroyed Natalia again in a match that never even happened, and it looks like she's not defending at the pay-per-view. And while that's okay, because it's like, okay, Oscar uh, isn't either, but at least they're doing Oscar, Bianca, and Charlotte, and they're doing or the it's it's Oscar and Charlotte, but Bianca's involved as well. That's all going on right now um, with Bianca, or rather with Rhea. She has no challengers waiting in the wings. Are they just waiting for Becky to be free? They couldn't have built up Piper Niven for an opportunity in London, like where she probably would have been over. Like I'm I'm loving the Rhea Ripley Judgment Day stuff. She's not being booked bad or anything, but like. It's pretty bad. There's no other competition, credible competition for Rhea to face right now. That's kind of a problem. Yeah, I feel like, like you said, they just haven't really built anyone up for her. I mean, 
the fact they even went the Natalia route kind of just shows that. Becky's busy right now. I mean, I think she's going to be busy going to SummerSlam. So it kind of excludes her. I'm not really sure. Like, Raquel's, like, there, but she's not doing anything. Um, yeah, they teased it again on Monday, yeah. So, I mean, maybe we get that. I doubt it. I mean, it's tough because I, I also feel like they have other women they haven't used. So, I don't know. It's weird. I feel like Raw's kind of their women's division. Like I said, it's Becky. They have Trish. She's always tied up with that. But like I, said, I think they're kind of like going to continue that going into SummerSlam. So, it's like, what do you do with Rhea going into SummerSlam? Um, eh, I, I honestly have no idea. At least Smith, like you said, there is a path. There's something going on. There is a feud. Um, Raw's kind of just like in limbo right now. And you have the Bailey and EO feud as well. Raw's got nothing. Raw's got Trish. I mean, that's not true. Raw's got the it's Becky. Trish and Becky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at least they, they've got that going on. And Raw, Ron and Shane are the tag team champions. And that's a step in the right direction, I think. So at least with the Raw Women's cha- or rather, I'm sorry, the, the World Women's Championship as it should be. Um, there's no obvious direction to the moment. And I don't, that's just, it's just not good. So. Um, we'll see what happens. Um, I'm just, I don't know. They need to start building up some women. They teased Raquel and, uh, Rhea, like I said, backstage. And that's a great program because they had great chemistry in NXT. They're one win apiece, I think. And they've teased it a couple times before in the past. The problem there though, is that Raquel just means nothing. Now, I, I actually liked her match with Trish on Monday. No one care. Just Raquel just is not over at all. And She's she's really good. We've talked to her before. I'm you know I'm a big Raquel fan. I think she has a lot of potential. They've just done nothing to make people care about her, to, to show some personality or put her in a meaningful storyline. She's just done nothing all year. So they got to heat her up some up as well. But I get the feeling that might be the SummerSlam match, her and Raquel. But hopefully they can make it more interesting than it feels like right now. Uh, one last thing on Raw: Cody Rhodes, Kevin Owens, Sami's in against the Judgment Day. No real storyline discussion here. Just want to get your thoughts on what I thought was an excellent main event and a white-hot main event with the crowd just going nuts for every one of those baby phases. No, I thought it was a really good match. Like I said, there's no real storyline. Well, I guess like it's more Cody and Judgment Day. Judgment Day kind of all have their own thing, but mm-hmm. him and Dominic, obviously. Uh, but no, I thought it was a good match. Like I said, the crowd were really into it. Just a good, solid match. Nothing like overly tough, but I thought it was good. A good way to end the show. You got to give credit to uh, Owens and Zayn specifically for just being MVPs for this product all year. I mean, they've just been killing it. You had the great match this week. They had a great main event last week with Imperium for the tag team titles. Owens and Gunter two weeks ago in Hartford was excellent. I mean, they've just been killing it all year. No, yeah, I completely agree. I think they've done well. I mean, obviously they've cooled off since the Bloodline stuff, but yeah. I mean, that's definitely going to happen. But I think as like tag team champions, like I said, I feel like They've started to build up some other teams. I mean, not I don't think too many people care about the Viking Raiders and the Alpha Academy, but I think they've started to build up more teams for them to face, and they're kind of like white hot right now. So, Yeah, no, it's good to see they have a lot of potential challengers waiting in the wings. Them and Pretty Deadly next week on SmackDown, which I'm looking forward to in London on SmackDown. So, um, yeah, a lot of things to look forward to in the tag team division for the first time in a long time. Uh, last couple things here as we wind down with AEW. Uh, we'll end with Forbidden Door predictions in a moment. Your thoughts on the premiere of Collision? I thought it was a really good show. And, uh, you know, we talked about it before, but it was just really well-paced. So what were your overall takeaways from the premiere of Collision last Saturday? No, I thought it was a solid show. I think this is what people thought AEW was going to be when it started. I mean, sports-based wrestling was a pretty solid wrestling show, I thought. Um, it was nice to see, like, Andrade back. Him and Buddy Matthews had a good match. Miro got back. He had a good match. I mean, Wardlow getting buried wasn't the greatest thing ever, but, I mean, that title's just fucking cursed at this point, so. Guess that sucks for him. The tag, women's tag match was pretty decent, and like I said, the main event was good, too. I guess we're going to get 
um, like the four-way this week on collision with Guns, Jay, and Juice versus FTR, Punk, and Ricky. So I think I'm down for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but as like a show in general, I thought it was just like a more standard wrestling show than what we get on Wednesday nights. Hopefully they can keep that up going forward. Uh, your thoughts on just the return of Punk in general and his promo and then the match later on in the show wasn't exactly, I mean, him being back is newsworthy, but like, he had the Bucks line, and people were freaking out about that. It was a it was a fine little line. I don't love it. I don't hate it. I mean, the Bucks took shots at him when he was gone. So, what's fair game is fair game, I guess. But um, I just thought he looked good, and I'm looking forward to seeing what he does going back. He doesn't have a first feud set. He is in the Owen Hart Cup, though. He's facing uh, Kojima from New Japan, in a which we'll talk about momentarily. Quarterfinal match on Sunday. Um. Could he be feuding with Samoa Joe? Is also in the tournament. He might. Be, he's facing Roddy Strong in the opening round. That could be a uh, semifinal match. Joe and Punk. Could that be his first feud back? Jay White. There's a couple different options there. No. Yeah, I thought him going back. I think it's. I mean, like I said, I think for that show specifically, it's a must. I mean, obviously he has his issues with the elite and all that stuff. But if he's going to be the guy on on Collision, I mean, I thought it was a good start. I mean, his health is kind of questionable. He's got hurt a few times, so hopefully he can keep keep not getting hurt so we'll see but i think it was a good start like you said i think it had a different vibe than than dynamite has so i thought it was a, as a start i thought it was a good start i mean i don't think they're gonna be pulling eight hundred thousand views every week i mm-hmm. think that was just kind of people checking out the first it, the first is always the biggest but uh especially when i think they're gonna switch nights a couple times depending if they're gonna like have like programming things i think i already saw like sometimes in in uh, the summer, they'll be on Thursday nights. I mean, once college football starts, I feel like that's just going to tank them. But, uh, no, I thought it was a good start. Punk being there is a must. Besides him, there's, like, I mean, they are starting to build other people up, but, like, they're not going to, like, Jay White's not going to carry that show. I love Jay White, but, I mean, he has been even really pushed as a main event guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, besides Punk, like, Punk, without Punk, they got nothing, really. They were all ex-WWE guys that no one really cares about, so... I think it's a good start. We'll see where it goes from here. Like I said, he showed up last night in Dynamite. He even said he wasn't supposed to be there. Saw <laughs> the bump, yeah. like through a pity party and didn't show up. I mean, just move on. But no, I thought it was a good start. I agree. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing him kind of ship that show and be the uh, the face of that program going forward. And uh, I like the show. Hopefully they can keep it consistent. Like you said, they probably won't be pulling in 800,000 viewers every week, especially on a Saturday night. I'm not a big ratings guy, but quick prediction. What do you think they do consistently? Maybe not this week necessarily, but like after that, I'm thinking I'm like the probably probably a little bit higher than Rampage. I'm thinking five to six hundred thousand, probably closer to. F- I I hope they could do six hundred thousand consistently. But the preemptions and just being on a Saturday night, I'm not optimistic. But what do you think in the ballpark rating is for Dynamite consistently? Or I'm sorry, Collision after like a month or two. Um, that's a great question. I would probably say, I mean, obviously anything's possible. I would say, I think somewhere in the five to mid fives, I think would be what they want. Like you said, it's going to be preempted. There's going to be other one sport, other sports come back. Like right now it's like prime. There's no other sports on. It's really just baseball. Um, but once like the big sports coming back, it's also the summer. So people are traveling and all that other stuff. Um, I think you want to aim for five to mid fives. Um, but I mean, I don't know if it, depending on once the like real sport comes back, I think it could take a beating. Yeah. Especially with all the preemptions and Saturday nights aren't just a great night consistently for wrestling anyway. And the WWE pay-per-views as well. Those are once a month on Saturday. So, um, you know, not, not a great night, but they don't really have any other options. 
We'll jump into the Forbidden Door predictions here as we wind down. Uh, 11 matches on the card as of right now. Jesus Christ. I thought it was 10. It was It's 10 on the main card and then one on the pre-show, the zero-hour pre-show. They could add more. Um, th these are including Rampage matches announced. I saw, I'm saw. i seeing one new one that I did not see last night. Um, so maybe they add more that aren't televised or weren't taped last night or whatever. I mean, collisions on Saturday. They could always add one the night before. I think that's you know way too soon or way too like last minute, but what are you going to do? Uh, AEW Women's World Championship, Tony Storm defending against Willow Nightingale after Willow in Sky Blue beat Tony and uh, Ruby Soho in a tag team match on Collision last week. I assume this was supposed to be Tony and Mercedes Monet, who is going to win the New Japan uh, Strong Women's Championship before she got her. Unfortunately, that did not happen, so Willow's taking her place, which should still be a very good match. I think Willow's great. Uh, I don't think Willow's becoming two-belt Willow. I think uh, Tony holds on to the championship for a little bit longer. Yeah, I have I have Tony winning here. Like I said, I feel like it'd be not weird, but it'd be kind of weird if she just won the belt and then just dropped it to Willow at that point. But on Willow, if you're really going that direction, so uh, I think it'll be a good match. Uh, but you got Tony going. More champion versus champion matches here as Orange Cassidy defends the international championship on the show where it was created last year, also in a four way. Um, this year, it's against Zack Saber Jr., who is the New Japan World Television Champion. And Katsuyori Shibata, who is the Ring of Honor Pure Champion, so everyone's got a fucking belt. And Daniel Garcia, who has no championship. Um, unless Garcia steals it, I don't think Shibata or Sabre are winning it. Garcia, it sounds like they're building to those two on probably a Ring of Honor show. And Cassidy hasn't lost yet. He beat 21 people in a battle royal, a double or nothing. I don't think he loses here. Yeah, I don't think Shibata or Zack Sabre are winning here. I mean, I guess Garcia could win it, but... I just don't see it. I think Orange wins. CM Punk and Kets, uh, Seth, I, I always for how to, I always forget how to pronounce his first name. Um, Kojima, uh, Satoshi Kojima. I'm probably mispronouncing his first name. I apologize. But they're in a first round match in the Men's Owen Hart Cup tournament, uh, as announced last night. They announced the full brackets. Winner of this match is going to face Samoa Joe and Roderick Strong. I don't think Kojima's beating Punk. It was supposed to be Punk and Kenta reportedly. Kent has been begging for that match for years. Now all of a sudden he just doesn't want it for some reason. I don't know what happened there. Probably because they weren't paying him enough and they didn't want to give it away as a tournament match in the first round, whatever the fuck. Um, but uh, I, I think Punk wins. Hello, well, it's, it, it's his first singles match in, in nine months and they didn't really announce it as much of a big deal, but I assume he wins here. Yeah, I got Punk winning here. Like I said, his first singles match, I doubt he's losing the Kojima here. Yeah, pr pretty uh, pretty foregone conclusion. 10-man tag team match, Blackpool Combat Club, John Moxley, Wheeler, Yuta, and Claudio Castagnoli teaming with uh, Takeshka and a... Uh, oh, okay. wait. Did they... Wait. Did, I thought they announced the partner. Who was the partner they announced the Dynamite last night? It wasn't... Wasn't it Tomohiro or Ishii? Wait I don't think they... I don't, I don't remember them announcing it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. They didn't announce their partner, but Eddie Kingston announced... Th okay, I'm sorry. Eddie Kingston and Tomohiro Ishii are teaming with the Elite. Adam Page in the box. Against Blackpool Combat Club's three members, Takeshka, and the last member of their team, Rampage Spoiler. So if you're listening before Rampage, skip ahead by a minute. Uh, they're teaming with Shota Umino, who uh, was involved in the six-man last year with John Moxley and Blackpool Combat Club. So... He's teaming with Blackpool Combat Club again this year. He's friends with Moxley. Makes sense. Uh, which team do you think goes over? <laughs> I know you don't get, give a shit, but I was well, just curious. I think you give two shits. Um, who won the Anarchy in the Arena? 
Blackpool Combat Club, so probably the baby faces, right? I would say the elite one. Yeah, let's go Kingston, Ishii, and the Elite. That probably makes the most sense. Uh, speaking of Rampage matches announced, again, fast forward by 30 seconds to a minute. Adam Cole taking on Tom Lawler, who, uh, filthy Tom Lawler from New Japan, also of MLW notoriety. Pretty easy win, I would assume, for Cole, right, since he's uh, feuding with the AEW World Champion right now? Yeah, I got Cole. <laughs> <laughs> I know you don't know who Lawler is, so... I, just just to put it on the books that Cole wins. Uh, Lay Suzuki gods Jericho Guevara and Minoru Suzuki taking on Sting, Darby Allen, and a partner of their choosing that has not been announced as of this moment that we're talking. Uh, they're going to announce it on Friday, probably in a pre-tape that didn't air to the to the live audience. I assume it's Naito because he has history with Jericho. I'm going to say Sting, Darby Allen, and their partner win here because Sting has not lost an AW yet. Yeah, I was going to say, and I would have the baby faces win here. Continue the like the uh, mm-hmm. dissension between Sammy and Jericho. I was going to say that'll probably factor into the finish. Um, Athena and Billy Starks forgot about this one on the pre-show in a women's Owen Hart Cup tournament match. Billy Starks was just signed. She's been all over the place. Athena's the Ring of Honor World's Women's Champion. I assume she wins here, right? I would have Athena win, yeah. I don't think she's going to lose her first match in a year on, on the fucking pre-show. Um, last four matches that were already announced. Sonata and Jungle Boy, Jack Perry, for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship. Pretty easy prediction that Sonata wins. But do you think that Sonata wins? How? Does Hook turn on Perry? Does Perry turn on Hook? Does Perry lose clean and then turn on Hook? I feel like we will get their split here or at least a major indication of where they're going with this. Um, I think, obviously, Perry loses. But I think he turns on Hook afterward because Hook didn't help him cheat or whatever. Yeah, I got Sonata. Like, I don't think Jungle Boy's winning. I think I see a Jungle Boy heel turn going, so then he would, he would turn on Hook. Are you looking forward to the Perry Hill turn? Are you optimistic at all, or are you just like, yeah, we'll see how it goes? I'm honestly off the Jungle Boy train. It's been three years. I just don't see it ever happening, so I'd, I honestly could care less. All right, all right. AEW World Championship, MJF versus uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi. I think MJF wins, right? Tanahashi ain't taking the title two years in a row. He didn't take the title last year, but I think he loses for the second straight year. Yeah, <laughs> if MJF lost, I think i just give up at that point, so... <laughs> MJF wins here. Like I said, it's just funny. They announced this four days before the show. It's just comical. Yeah, officially. I mean, it was announced last week, but they made it official on, on Wednesday, yeah, because he said still, he wouldn't work still. it. Two weeks before, comical. I agree. They made him They made him look like an idiot, too, because he said he wouldn't face him, and then Cole said, what, are you scared? And then MJF said, well, I'll face him. It's like, okay, then what was the point? That just seems silly. Um, Kenny Omega and Will Ospreay for the IWGP United States Heavyweight Championship rematch from the Tokyo Dome Wrestle Kingdom back in January. Ospreay lost that one. I'm going to say he takes the title here, unless they do a third match at All-In, but, I mean, you can do a third match and he wins there, but I just, just Omega's not doing anything with it, just might as well give the belt back to Osprey here, maybe with uh, Takeshka interference or something. Yeah, I think Osprey wins here, like I said, I think either Takeshka helps or or he just wins, but I think you put the belt on Osprey. like I said, it's not like Kenny's on, on New Japan Weekly, so I don't even know why he has the belt to begin with, but I would have Osprey win. I agree. And then final match, Brian Danielson and Kazuchika Okada. Dream match. Many years in the making. I think they had one match many, many years ago, but they're running it back here now that they've both leveled up, so to speak. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Okada. Danielson's pretty lenient with who he loses to, so I'm going to say Okada wins. It doesn't really matter, I don't think, but I think this is an Okada victory. Yeah, I think it's pretty 50-50, honestly. I feel like Okada lost last year. He's ever gonna make the jump, or like people that are, aren't cat like people talk about Gradius. I mean, at the ma- the one match I saw him was the one last year, and I wasn't overly excited with it. I mean, it is a four way too. I think this will be good, but like I said, if you want to keep him like either relevant or people to care, I think you would have to win here. So I- I'd go with Akata as well. 
And I'm also thinking if I have Okada, Osprey, and Sonata win, that's three big wins for New Japan and one for AEW and MJF. I don't know if they want to even it out, but just something to keep in mind. I could see Omega winning. If, if someone like Danielson or Okada or Omega, Osprey, I think Omega is more likely to win than Danielson because Danielson's just pretty lenient with who he loses to, like I said. Um, but yeah, bonus question for you. Which match do you think main events? Okada and Osprey? Or I'm sorry, Okada and Danielson or Omega and Osprey? Um. It's a good question. Um, I think I'm gonna say Omega and Osprey just because the championships on the line, but I would prefer Danielson Okada personally. Yeah, I mean, I think with the title on the line, if it's the second match of a of the match they had at Wrestle Kingdom, I think it'd make more sense for Omega and Osprey. But like, like you said, Danielson and Okada is like the dream match. So I think I'll go with Osprey and Omega, but I wouldn't shock me if it was Danielson and and uh, Okada. Can't go wrong either way. Looking forward to the show on Sunday. We'll talk about it next week right here on the show. And that's going to do it, Mr. Marceau, for today's Wrestle Rant Radio, June 22nd, 2023, episode 501. Didn't forget this time. New episodes every single week on WrestleRant.com, WrestleRantRadio.com, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Google Podcasts, Podbean, Amazon Music, and Pandora. Rate the show, review the show, subscribe to the show. Never miss a new episode every single Thursday. Stack show coming up next week. Not only reviewing Forbidden Door, but also predicting and doing the preview for Money in the Bank coming up next week. And so rest up, Mr. Marcel. I'll catch up with you next week. Adios, brother.